Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those who, of you who are watching today. Today we're going to be continuing a study that we uh, began in our last uh, uh, time with you on the theme of keeping sacred things sacred. There are just some things that are so valuable, so important, that we need to keep them very sacred in our lives. We want to talk about those things today. But oh, know your Bible. We're offering a free Bible correspondence course that, that uh, will enable you to get to know your Bible so much better. And one of the greatest needs of our world today is for people to come become better acquainted with the Word of God. And we want you to have this course. There are literally thousands of people all over the United States and in several foreign countries who are studying the Bible using this Bible correspondence course. We want you to have it. We want you to take advantage of this opportunity to get to know your Bible. And in order that you might know a little bit more about the course and that you might know how to receive it, that we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 365 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read a passage to you now from the book of Ezekiel, the, the 22nd chapter, and verse number 26. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things, they have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. Have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. That, that particular statement in the book of Ezekiel was directed at the prophets of that day. And they were not exactly what God wanted them to be that they are accused of taking things that were very holy in God's eyes, that were very sacred in God's eyes, and making them profane. In the world in which you and I live today, that we, we, we face the same problem. The bottom line is that a lot of people in our day take things that are sacred and holy to God, and they make them other than what God would have them to be. We, we have noted earlier that the name of God is sacred. In the Old Testament, the, the Jewish people were taught, that Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And I've often thought that even if that passage of Scripture was not in the Bible, that we should know enough from other verses in the Bible 
that the name of God is a sacred name. And we ought to hold it in reverence. We have further noticed that the the Bible, the Word of God, is sacred. It, It is God's book revealed to man. And as such, we need to hold the Bible in a very sacred spot in our lives. But, but also, we, we noted that marriage is sacred. We, we've observed earlier that, that marriage is divine, that is, God created the marital relationship in the very beginning of time. And as such, we need to adhere to what God says about the home. If we take the, the, the Bible... And we look at what God says about marriage through the lens of the revelation of God's will. Well, it's completely different than the way that many people see marriage today. But, but I, let's talk about something else that, that's sacred to God. And a man's name is sacred. And as a result of it being sacred, we need to never do anything that would hurt, that would harm Someone else's character. I have an idea that you have known of people in your life that were character assassins. They would try to tear down the character and the reputations of other people. Maybe that's what Paul had in mind in Galatians, the fifth chapter, when he talked about those who would bite and devour one another. When I read that passage, I think of animals that were biting and chewing on one another. And there are those who, who delight in trying to destroy the lies and the reputation and the good name of other people in society. You know, it was Solomon who said in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, and in verse number 1, that, that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. In one of Shakespeare's writings, the one that's called Othello, he had this to say about a person's name. He said, Good name in man and woman, dear my Lord, is the immediate jewel of their souls. Who steals my purse, steals trash, tis something, nothing. T'was mine, tis his, and has been slave to thousands. But he who flinches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. Yes, if you destroy a person's good name, you've not enriched yourself. You, 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 you have degraded yourself. And we need to respect the, the lives of other people and their reputations and their characters We should never do anything to destroy a person's good name. And generally, that's done with the tongue. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Every idle word that men shall speak. They shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So a man's name is sacred. 
Now, something else that is sacred is your body. And we need to keep the sacred things sacred. Your body is sacred. God is the one who made our bodies. In Psalms, the eighth chapter, the question asks, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. God indeed made us. And in the 139th Psalm, we're told that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. When I think about the human body, in all of the intricate design of the human body, I am absolutely amazed. And God is the one who designed the body as it is. Suppose that we had been given the responsibility of designing a human body. Would we have designed a body with two ears and two eyes and one, one mouth, one nose, two feet, two hands? with five fingers on each hand and five toes on each foot? How would we have designed that body? And there is a purpose and a reason for every part and every function of the human body. Indeed, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In that body, God has placed certain desires. And these are God-given desires. And what I mean by that, there isn't anything wrong with them because God made us with these desires. One of those desires is, is a desire for, for food. We call that desire hunger. Perhaps you are feeling a little hungry this time. And, and so that's a, a legitimate desire to have. But you and I know that there are just some things that we do not eat to try to satisfy the desire in our body called hunger. And the reason is because certain things, if, if taken into the body, will be harmful to the body, could be detrimental to the body, could cause death if we bring the wrong things into the body. So there are just certain things that we do not eat to satisfy the desire called hunger. Another is thirst. It's perfectly normal for an individual to become thirsty. But there are just some things that you would not drink to satisfy your thirst. You would not drink gasoline, for example, to satisfy the thirst that you have in the body. Because, again, that could be detrimental to you. You would not want to use ethyl alcohol in any form to satisfy your thirst because that can also have some very disastrous consequences. So, but it's normal to be thirsty, but there are certain things that we use to satisfy that thirst, certain things we do not use. And when we began to put into our bodies certain things to satisfy our hunger that, that, that would be harmful to our body, and when we, we drink certain things that enter into our bodies that would likewise be harmful to the body, we're not keeping our body as sacred as God would have us keep it. Again, another desire that God has placed in the body is called sexual desires, certain physical desires. God made us that way. And there isn't anything wrong with it, but, but these desires are, are to be fulfilled within the framework 
of the marital relationship. The Bible says in Hebrews the 13th chapter in verse 4 that, that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. That there is anything wrong, there is anything evil, there is anything dirty about that side of, of marriage. But when we try to satisfy the, the, the desire called sex outside the marital relationship, the Bible refers to it as being sin. I know the devil says, now you just go for it. It's a different day in which we live. You just go for it. To live like you want to. Don't let anyone tell you what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. But I'm telling you, God wants us to keep the sacred things sacred. In First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, in verse 3 and verse 4, Paul said that we should, we should abstain from fornication. And then he says, let every, and, and every man should, should uh, keep his vessel, his body, in sanctification and in honor. And, and we have a responsibility to God Almighty, and we have a responsibility to ourselves to keep our body sacred. That This body of mine is not mine, really. It belongs to God. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, listen to what Paul wrote. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, but you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, we're to glorify God in our bodies. We're to glorify God in this old shell called human flesh that we live in. The real man is an inner man. We're just living in this house for a while. And while we live in it, temporarily, we are to glorify God in it. We need to keep our bodies sacred. Something else that is sacred to God is life itself. You see, God is the giver of life. It's in God that we live, move, and have our very being, according to Paul in the 17th chapter of Acts. God is the giver of life. When God made that first man, the Bible says in Genesis, the second chapter, that he formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man is a living being made in the image of God Almighty. But today, life is cheap. Not to God, but to so many people in our world today, life is cheap. To the warmonger, life is cheap. To, to the criminal who would go out and maim and kill, life is cheap. To the pervert who would go out and, and ruin the life of some young girl or some young boy, life is cheap. And to those who would take the life of an unborn, Life is cheap. We need to understand that life is something that God gave us. And we need to keep the sacred things sacred and respect it. We do not have the right to murder. In the Old Testament, we're told in the Ten Commandments, and, and this is repeated in the New Testament in just a little different terminology, thou shalt not kill. 
the New Testament teaches that we're not to kill. That, that we're not to have murder in our hearts even. 1 John 3, 4 and, and uh, 4 and verse 20 says that whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life in him. Some people would, would, would just absolutely be uh, shocked if, if someone were to accuse them of being a murderer. And maybe they have never gone out and taken someone's life. But they show hatred and bitterness toward other people. In God's sight, we're just showing a disrespect for life itself. You know what they were taught in the Old Testament back in the book of Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6? That a man that sheds a man's blood, another man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That you're going to pay a penalty but for taking the life of other people. Almost weekly, we, we hear of some mother who has been killed or some baby that's missing and finally we, we learn that that baby has been killed. Some little child, maybe two or three years of age. It, it just seems as though that's a common occurrence in our country today. And this is a common occurrence in all countries of the world, no doubt. And I ask why. And it is because life is not considered to be sacred. But something else that is sacred to God is the church. The church is sacred. I know the concept that some people have of the church, that it's more like a civic organization that one becomes a member of. And some people have the concept that the church is more like a glorified spiritual country club that you join. Well, that's not God's viewpoint. That, that's not the way God sees the church. The church was so important that Jehovah gave His Son. The Father gave His precious Son to make the church a reality. Listen to the Apostle Paul addressing a group of church leaders from Ephesus, the elders of that church. In Acts the 20th chapter in verse 28. Take heed unto yourselves in all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which hath purchased with His own blood. Some preachers say the church is not all important. Jesus is what is important. Jesus is important. Are you going to tell me that Jesus, the head of the church, is not as important as the body, which is the church? Jesus is the head, Ephesians 1, 22, 23. The head of what? The body. What is the body, which is the church? And the head is as important as the body, and the body is as important as the head. The church was sacred to God. Over a period of some 4,000 years, God was was designing things and planning things for the, for the beginning, the establishment of the church, which occurred on the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. There's a record of that in the second chapter of Acts. And it is sacred to Him. So many people today belittle the church. They say the church is not important, that you can go to heaven without the church. 
Friends, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter in verse 23, the Bible says that Jesus is the Savior of the body. Well, what is the body? The body is the church, and the church is the body. It is the body that Jesus saves. And just as you have life-giving blood flowing through your body, that the, the soul-saving blood of Jesus cleanses and saves His spiritual body, which is called the church. And when we believe in Jesus with all of our hearts and we're willing to repent of our sins and, and we're willing to confess our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Son of God, and when we are immersed into Jesus Christ, baptized into Jesus Christ, that for the forgiveness or the remission of our sins, we're added to the church for which our Lord gave His precious blood on Calvary. In Acts, the second chapter, in verse 47, at the conclusion of that great chapter uh, de de detailing the events of the day the church had its beginning, we have these words, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. So in the first century when people were saved, they were just added to the church. Somebody said, well, which one? He just added to the church. There was, wasn't another one in those days, you see. And we need to go back. We, we need to go back to the Bible and we need to find out what God says about it. Sometimes as we look at the Bible, that we start looking at the Bible through 21st century lens, and, and we see things as, as we perceive them to be. You see, we have so much information that is fed to us today that's not really from the Bible, but it's what people think and how they feel and their opinions, their concepts. But just suppose we started looking at the church through the first century lens of God's Word. We would just find people believing on Jesus and repenting of their sins and confessing that they believe in Jesus and being baptized and, and they'd just be added to the church by Jesus. Nobody would vote on them. They'd be added to the church by the Lord. We need to keep sacred things sacred. And there's one other thing I want to talk about that we need to keep sacred. And that's the Lord's Day. And that's the first day of the week. It was John in the book of Revelation in chapter 1 in verse 10 who said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is the first day of the week. It is not the Sabbath day. It is the first day. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1 explains that Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. In John the 20th chapter, Jesus appeared to His disciples after His resurrection upon the first day of the week. The New Testament church had its beginning upon the first day 
of the week, Acts 2 and verse 1, the day of Pentecost, which occurred on the first day of the week. And it was upon the first day of the week that men inquired, men and brethren, what shall we do? It was upon the first day of the week that the answer was given by the Apostle Peter to those who were asking, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. It was upon the first day of the week that some 3,000 people were baptized. It was upon the first day of the week in Acts chapter 2 they were added to the church by the Lord. Now people can be added to the church any day of the week. But in Acts 2 this happened on the first day of the week. And upon the first day of the week early Christians observed the Lord's Supper, Acts 20 and 7. It was upon the first day of the week According to 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, that early Christians gave to God of their sustenance. We worship on the Lord's Day. Today, people use Sunday, the Lord's Day, for almost everything you can imagine. It's the day that we go to Grandma's house. It's the day that we go riding. It's the day that we go to the beach. It's the day I go fishing. It's it's the day I'm going to play golf. It's the day I'm going to sleep late. We need to keep sacred things sacred. And this is to be a day of worship for the people of God. Those who are children of God have an appointment with the Lord on the Lord's day to gather around His table to commemorate His death and His suffering upon the cross of Calvary. And I have long believed and maintained that it was the partaking of the Lord's Supper that was more or less the catalyst of their worship. They came together to, to remember Jesus and they would sing and they would pray and they would give to God and they would teach the Word of God. They didn't want to forget about Jesus. And there were some who did, evidently, because there's a warning in Hebrews 10.25 not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we need to realize that the Lord's day is a sacred day. There are many, so many things that God wants us to keep sacred. And may we be never guilty of profaning that which is holy in the sight of God. I, I want to thank you for watching today. And I want to encourage you right now to pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course. And I would like to emphasize to you that it is absolutely free of charge. And we want you to have it. And I would urge you to to begin studying it just as soon as you receive it. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. Give me a Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, 
right to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Thank you.